With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are YWales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, YWales. Again, wherever in the world you are today, uh, Web3 connects really every single person around the planet instantaneously, except for these time zone things that we constantly struggle with. So um, wherever you are and however you're watching, we, we really appreciate your time. Uh, today is a super cool, uh, you know, kind of, big project. And when I say big, there's a lot of times that people come on the show or that we see other podcasts of, um, and they've got an idea. And, and sometimes those ideas can, can be, uh, you know, really cool and they can, or they can be world and life changing. Um, and this is one of the ones I'm not going to preface which way it is one way or the other, but I can quite simply say that the, the size and scope, uh, of which these two entrepreneurs look at things, um, is really intriguing for me as, as a venture capitalist, as well as an entrepreneur of myself. Uh, let's go ahead and, and give some intros, you know, so real quick, uh, I'll start with you, Lauren. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got here today. Sure. Yeah. So um, my background started in the Media Operations Center at NBC Universal, and then I transitioned over into the film industry because film has always been my passion. Um, and I ran the publicity and promotions for Universal Pictures. While I was there, I was on a lot of you know production sets. I would do uh, press junkets, red carpet premieres, and I just saw this massive disconnect of um, trying to find talent and how the in, the filmmaking industry wasn't streamlined or efficient, really, in how it operated. Uh, so that led me to actually uh, create and launch my own company, which I launched at South by Southwest uh, called Cinematcher, and that was uh, to help uh, streamline streamline hiring production crew. Um, while I was there, I went um, and uh, still executive produced. I uh, executive produced films for uh, Elijah Wood's production company, uh, Company X Spectre Vision, because all while building this, I also want to be boots on the ground because I think that's so important when you're building something to be uh, boots on the ground in the industry of the problem that you're trying to fix. Um, so through that, um, I started hearing about, uh, the blockchain technology and blockchain starting to transform how the film industry would start to operate. And I started researching companies that were on the cutting edge of that. And I came across Filmio because they were one of the leaders in the space. And, um, that's when I transitioned. I actually, I'm the one that actually reached out to them and was really impressed and interested in their overall <clears throat> vision to, uh, reinvent Hollywood. Uh, using the blockchain. And, um, and then I just uh, joined them about a year ago. And uh, the, the vision of the company and the, the product roadmap is very exciting and game changing for the industry. I love that. And, and, you know, experience in any industry, you know, is, is critical. And I, I always believe that anyone can break into, you know, any, any industry they want and take the time. Uh, but there's something to be said about that 10,000 hours. Um, there's something to be said about the successes and failures that come along the way and the nuances of you can reinvent the wheel, but if you don't know how the previous one was built, it's mm -hmm. really hard to be, you know, a disruptive to an industry that people don't understand. So, um, I, I love kind of the, the background there as well as the, the, uh, the integration of some new thoughts with with the old 
Brian? Yeah, Lauren, Lauren is amazing. She's, uh, she has that rounded uh, set of experiences, not only as an entrepreneur, uh, but again, in the film industry and has just incredible connections. Everybody loves her, which is rare in the film industry too. Like you get different personalities, um, but just brings, you know, so much to the table. So we've been very lucky to have her for the last year or so. Love it. Fabulous. Thanks, Brian. So, so Brian, you know, you, you have a story, you have a storied background <clears throat> as well. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm really a serial tech entrepreneur at heart, just a big propeller head, have a background in uh, computer science and, um, Started uh, very early on, you know, working for my dad. He's a brilliant computer scientist. We automated most of the broker-dealer and banking industry back in the 80s. In the 90s, I um, uh, graduated uh, uh, with a computer science degree and basically um, started right away, built an internet service provider, one of the first in the country uh, in San Diego, and um, walked door-to-door with little uh, zipper pouches, giving people floppy disks and trying to get them off of America Online. Um and uh, merged that into uh, a bigger venture, which became an e-commerce uh, venture. We did a lot of web hosting. Um, one of the things that we did as a team uh, was create some technology in the very early days that allowed you to put more than one website on a server because it was tied to an IP address. Um, and we basically uh, worked with uh, Sun Computing of all companies to basically oh, wow. build a big monolithic uh, web hosting infrastructure. Um and uh, got very heavily into e-commerce. So e-commerce was uh, really where uh, things went sort of hyperbolic for us. Um, worked with IBM, <clears throat> rolling out their e-business division, traveled all over the world, um, built a, a couple of internet shopping malls, and then sold that to a company called Venda, which uh, was acquired by NetSuite, which was part of Oracle. And so the e-commerce infrastructure that is currently Oracle's uh, was something that I created. Um, so that was all fun and good and burned me out uh, as an early entrepreneur and, uh, decided to travel the world for a couple years and couldn't get rid of the entrepreneurial bug, um, and, uh, got busy when I arrived back a couple years later, uh, in the U S and, um, the rest is really kind of how Filmio came to be. So, um, I don't want to jump too far ahead if, if we aren't ready for that yet, but, uh, that was uh, a lot of my, my entrepreneurial background. Yeah, so so let's let's dive into that a little bit because I, I you know again this is the first time I've I've interacted with the two of you guys together and right off the bat it it, it really is a really interesting partnership um, because film is is a very like this is this is the way things are done um, we've seen mm-hmm. Netflix and some you know some of the the new streaming services pop up and, and kind of uh, reinvigorate the workflows mm-hmm. um, being able to push out some content in some different ways but in the same sense they haven't really innovated much uh, since you know basically what Apple TV and others when they said hey here's here's streaming here's Netflix and, and the rest are just now you know kind of let's just say you know call it Netflix clones um, you know but now all of a sudden you have somebody that really understands web one. And, you know, I will always refer to Web 3 as being closer to Web 1 than, than Web 3 being uh, an evolution of Web 2, because we're essentially re-architecting the entire global infrastructure, not just on data, but also financial and identity as well. So 
you know, Brian, when you're, when you're talking about the problems you had to solve, these were problems that people didn't even realize existed. <laughs> like, like, you know, of course you need one server per, uh, per website. Why? It's, it's just, that's what a website costs. Who would ever have more than that? Because there's only, you know, not everyone's going to have a website. Um, and we're starting to see that, that breakdown now in web three and understanding, you know, that there is need for evolution, you know, multiple chains, there's, you know, chain of chains and, and level ones, level twos, level zeros, all, all these other things. What's been kind of your biggest takeaway of entering this new blockchain space that you kind of are always going back to your old Web1 experience? Yeah, it's actually a really good parallel um, because back in the Web1 days, we were, for example, trying to create an e-commerce website um, using GIF images that were not transparent. So you had things like, you know, corners on something that needed to have rounded corners on it. Um, you had all kinds of things. It just was very rudimentary. Um, and this was kind of like back even before Netscape days and then Netscape came in and things started to get more usable. Um, I think we're at about the Netscape days right now in Web3 is kind of how I look at it. The The usability issues are massive. Um, you know, we've got things like MetaMask right now um, doing things to allow you to instantly swap from within your wallet. That makes it easier. But the jargon is still here, right? There are things that people, normal people, don't understand. Um, and until that stuff is fixed, we're going to be kind of stuck, I think, in those early Web 1 days. Um, mass adoption, in order to hit mass adoption, we really need you know, more tools. We need more automation. We need better user experience. And so I'm really happy to actually see in Web 3 that there is a concentration now on this thing called UX, right? Which mm. was not something anybody, it wasn't even a term back then. And uh, the fact that that's there, I think will give us um, a shorter path to uh, mass adoption capability, but I don't think we're really there yet. We're getting closer. I love that. Love that. Um, so with that, so now that we've got the background, uh, let's really hear about uh, Film.io. I mean, it's very lofty goals and, and uh, take it away. Whoever wants to give the elevator pitch. Um, I can take the first uh, stab at it and Lauren, feel free to jump in anytime. Um, sure. But, you know, this was really, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory just so you kind of understand where this came from. Um, I know a lot of creators um, and Lauren obviously does too, but um, you know, I started having this repetitive conversation over beers with these creator friends of mine who, you know, came out of Hollywood and, you know, made movies and, and um, understood, you know, that uh, industry much better than I did at the time. And the, the challenge really was uh, creators, even if you're well-known, um, it's a really long road to try to get a movie produced, right? You basically oh, yeah. go through this um, process of trying to get connections, trying to get appointments. Um, a lot of times, if you're if you're an unknown creator, you don't have credibility. You don't have any uh, street cred or clout. Um, and it becomes nearly impossible. And the industry has been controlled for the last hundred years by a handful of big, powerful studios and a handful of big, powerful, you know, individuals who um, basically um, are biased and, you know, they don't always make decisions based on um, the kinds of standards that I think have become more normal in this universe today. Um, basically, um, there has been a huge, huge problem. And so this was when I started thinking about this, and the conversation happened so many times, um, my mind couldn't get off of this this problem. 
And so I contacted the smartest people I know uh, in both the tech space and the filmmaking space and started just brainstorming over scotch. And we came up with some ideas and that was sort of the genesis of we need to do something to help fix this industry. And really what the solution is to put it in a, at a very high level is we found the problem, the boogeyman in the industry was centralized power, right? And how do you solve a problem that exists because of so much centralized power is really through decentralization. And we actually thought of this before we even really applied blockchain to the solution. Um, but the ultimate idea has been to uh, remove the power from the few Uh, and the centralized construct of Hollywood, and through a token and through a DAO to hand that power to the creators and fans of the world. In essence, you know, the citizens of the world, because everyone's basically a fan. And uh, the story goes on from there, but uh, that's the basic uh, concept of what we're doing, is just democratizing this whole industry and rebuilding it from the ground up. Every component that you need to make a movie is part of Filmio, and uh, we have built that on the blockchain and have tokenized it uh, for the world. So, Warren, before you start, and I'm, I'm going to say this, I have, mm-hmm. I have heard a similar pitch seven, eight times before. You know, we're going we're gonna to do this, we're, all these lofty goals. Warren, right. why will you guys succeed where everyone else is not? I think we'll succeed because, and I've, I've, we have, you know, a... a a comp matrix of any type of competition that is out there, even if they're slightly similar to us. And yeah. what we've been seeing, and I think the, the biggest difference is that when we were approaching this idea and, and coming up with a way to go to market and a, and a way to actually get people interested where I think other competition lacks as we break our audiences down very specifically. So we have three very different audiences, the, the crypto blockchain thought leaders and enthusiasts um, with our token models uh, and, you know, being the, the uh, filmmaking industry's first DAO. And then we have film fans and we have creators. And so um, figuring out how to not only reach these three different audiences, but bring value to them is really difficult. And we've come up with some really exciting marketing campaigns. And every time we go into an ideation session to brainstorm, you know, how we're going to bring value to these different audiences, we, we keep all of their needs in mind. And I, and I honestly think that's where the, the competition lacks um, in, in their approach of just trying to market this you know, big picture idea and not break it, break it down and segment it into the actual audiences that it's going to bring value to. I love it. Brian, what's, what's the, you know, there's a lot of unique distribution models that exist today. Um, you know, how, how well integrated to what exists today can, can Filmio, um, you know, are you guys planning to be? Very. I mean, that's really for the first couple of years. This is we've been building this for a few years. Um, it was pretty tough to explain this to studios and you know really well-known people in the industry because there was a perception that in the disruptiveness that this is bringing to the table that it would disintermediate 
parties uh, from the space that, you know, studios, for example, would be threatened. <clears throat> but that's actually not the case. This is really kind of an innovator's dilemma, sort of an issue for them. Um, there's a big change happening. Uh, we're, you know, leaning into fan involvement. And that's really the big difference in what we're doing. So what we do is we basically take uh, the order of things and we start with the fans creators post a project as a DAO proposal. They might not even know it's a DAO proposal because some creators don't even know what a DAO is, right? <laughs> we've, we've simplified this user experience. They submit a project, and the first thing we do is invite them to invite their fans, and we invite our fans to come in and stake their tokens. We have a governance token called a fan token. Um, once that process starts, you're in the middle of building validation and building an audience through an algorithmic scoring system that we call the Go Score. And the higher that score is, the higher the Filmio platform and the intelligence behind it based on on-chain and off-chain data, the higher the quality of your project the platform believes it is. That is a beautiful thing, not just for the creator, because the creator has never had credentials, really, unless they're well-known. They've never had the ability to take a project that might be their passion project um, into a studio and get greenlit, get funding for it, get distribution. So for the creator, it's a beautiful thing to go into that, again, um, traditional market and go and get some traction. But for the studios, think about Netflix that spent $16 billion last year acquiring and developing content, of which a very small percentage anybody really cares about on the platform. They're, they're dying for a solution that gives them the ability to uh, vet these projects. And what better than a project that comes through the door with a half a million fans attached to it, with a 4.8 star rating and a 98 go score. I mean, you've got everything you need for a successful project to take place uh, right there. It, yeah, I, I love that thesis across the board because you're actually asking people, what do you want? Um, and while, you know, there's directors and everyone else is going to have their own interpretation and, and you know, to produce this content, at least making sure that this is something that people are interested in before you go ahead and, and, and Put, spend the time, energy, and money to shoot it is a massive win for any studio um, or, or someone that experiences this. Lauren, I'm sorry I cut you off. Oh, no problem. No, just to piggyback off what Brian was saying, especially having been on the publicity side at a major studio, you know, when I was working for Universal Pictures, it was one of my first jobs, you know, so um, I wasn't an executive or anything like that. But so I would also r help run screenings and, 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 um, uh, stuff like that to get audience feedback. Um, but that process was done so much later after the film already had the financing put behind it and it was already produced. No matter what the feedback was at that point, the film could still flop, right? So they could spend $100 million with A-list celebrities and, you know, everybody's kind of like, how, how did this flop? And it was because that system is is broken. And, and that's what we're trying to... Um, kind of shake up and have the actual people that are going to be going to pay to be or you know streaming these 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 projects and these films and these TV shows. They're the ones that should be having the say of what they want to see. We see a major film flop and then we see Sharknado like twenty five do really well and studios are are, are kind of confused about that. It's because that's what the fans want to see and that's the the content that we need to be creating. 
That's very cool. So what level, uh, you know, and the great part is about, you know, the, the DAO technology, and while it's still young and it's evolving, the idea is that you can have, um, instead of shareholders that have nothing more than a monetary, um, you know, attachment to this film, you now have your most rabid fans, you know, helping to drive where the, where this goes. Um, is the voting just for should the film be made or not, or does it actually drive a little bit into uh, the actual production um, and distribution of the films? Well, it's an interesting uh, question that also ties into the last question because <clears throat> traditionally, if somebody did a pitch to a studio, um, they would have one shot, and then they're either you know thumbs up, thumbs down. They get greenlit or not. In this case, it's an ongoing process, right? That go score, um, kind of to your question, uh, is something that is largely driven by fans. DAO members staking their fan tokens to a project. And as long as they're garnering support from the fans, they're able to grow that score. And if it starts really low, it might be because, you know, they had poor ideas in terms of who should be cast in the movie or the script just wasn't right um, or, you know, a variety of different things. It might even be as simple as their assets that they have for their film just aren't really very good at communicating the excitement of, of the story. They don't have a gr good lookbook. So, in this way, they can reach to the audience for not only feedback, but there's also a maker community. Um, we actually just had our first lookbook created by someone in the audience recently for a project. Um, it was our first revenue event. We didn't plan to have any revenue yet, uh, <clears throat> but it just sort of happened. And, um, you know, the, the audience can get very much involved uh, in this process. And in that way, um, they can, it's, it's more of a continuum than a, than a one, you know, a, a flash in the pan kind of an event. And I think that's a really big differentiator that I, I want to point out is, is you're not referring to what films would traditionally have, which is an audience. You're referring to now as, as films now have a community around them. Um, and that's exactly. a very big differentiator because an audience is someone you speak to. A community right. is someone that you work with. Um, so what you're saying here is that if I raise enough awareness, we can reshoot uh, Game of Thrones uh, season eight. Is that, is that what I'm, <laughs> the I'm hearing? Finale, we especially. can do it or we can get ready for nine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> totally. I think that's, it's a good question, actually. It's, you know, uh, this is a place for all films. Like it doesn't have to be uh, a fledgling project by an unknown creator or a new one. We have some amazing you know, very well-known celebrities um, that are having trouble in the traditional world raising money for their films, for example, um, that are, you know, onboarding things within Filmio. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a place where an established brand could come to curate and build and further develop a relationship with their audience that would tell them whether another season is even desired, you know, or maybe a change in cast or, you know, storyline, whatever. So this is, you know, they can launch NFT projects. There are so many things you can do, but we feel like this is the central hub for all, you know, entertainment projects to live and evolve their brands in so many different ways with the fans this time, because in the old world, the fans only got involved when it was time to collect money from them to watch the movie, you know? So this has really changed the order uh, in which things happen. And if you think about uh, here's one of the things that we <clears throat> really looked at to see what's the potential market size for this thing, the kind of adoption that we can get. Because maybe, you know, fans don't really care that much about content in this way. Uh, but if you look at IMDb or you look at something like Fandom, right, you know, two sites that I've, you know, loved for so long, Fandom has 300 million monthly active users who come in just to consume content 
uh, about the films that they love. They don't have tokens. They don't get to say what gets made. They don't get to interact with the stars, you know, or the cast. They're, they're basically, it's a, it's a one-way communication. Um, but, you know, think about the application of having an audience of that size or greater because this is global within a fully interactive community where you can do all the things that now fans can do because they have a voice and they have a role in this environment. There's so much here. And I think that's one of the biggest things is, is you guys are approaching this. And I think, you know, Brian, this is a little bit of your background is more of an operating system and a little less as, as, you know, making films. Um, it sounds like whether it's a, a film, a, a, or, or almost anything else, um, you know, the, these same techniques can be applied to a number of, of kind of creative asset classes uh, that are really looking for that same ability to have, you know, what's the user feedback? Because right now it's a very static uh, and boring thing. You know, they, they shoot the film, uh, they bring in a couple dozen people, they say, you know, what do you think of it? They ask some questions, they, they, they look at cameras of, of where people are working on screen, and then they go ahead and roll with it. Um, and, right. and that's how you almost yeah. end up with Sonic with teeth versus Sonic without teeth is without that user feedback, you know, the, the, the really mainstream, you know, kind of, uh, crowds yelling at them, they would, they would make some terrible things. So this could actually be a a big problem solver. Lauren, how do, how have executives, uh, from your old world reacted Mm -hmm. to this? Yeah. So I think the, the major thing that, um, we've been having discussions about is what Brian had mentioned earlier is being a tool, not a, not a, you know, compete to the old system, but being a tool to enhance and the old system. And so um, the major conversations are, are even with streamers that we've had is that this is now a major community for them to not only scout mark validated projects, but also raise more money and get financing for, for, you know, projects that already have backing and they can say, Hey, there's going to be a better ROI on this because, you know, this is already validated by the audiences. Um, so it's really exciting because it's, uh, again, um, it, you, you know, you could think of it as being a, a competition in, in how things are done, but it really is, it is an ally and, um, it's, it's a, it's a tool and a resource, um, to, you know, make not only the projects more successful, but the investors or the financiers behind them more successful. And, and I mean, that's huge with executives. So, um, we're, we're really excited about being able to bring that to them. There's something I will share with you that, uh, I won't go into too much detail, but just as a little bit of kind of evidence of this happening. Um, and this is all pretty recent, right? Because something has shifted really with the world's understanding of blockchain. I think it might have been NFTs that really helped kind of bring it into the limelight and really show creators that there's something really here for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just got an executive from Amazon Studios on board the company. Um, and, you know, they've been trying to solve the problem of fan feedback on films for a long time, a couple iterations mm-hmm. uh, that they've tried to roll things out. Um, and other studios. And so this is, you know, it's gaining adoption, right? It's, it's, it's less of a fear at this point. It still is. And we still have to be very intentional in how we describe this. But we, Lauren said it really well. I mean, we're, we're an ally. Um, we're not a threat. We're just um, here to bring some efficiencies and some uh, level of, you know, equality and kind of remove some of the bias and things that the world already knows 
that these are issues, right? Like, the, look at the last, you know, three, four, five years of events and things that have happened with big celebrities or, you know, what have you. I mean, they, you know, there, there's never been a better time in the world to try to solve these problems. So it's really um, being welcomed as people start to understand it more. Right. Well, and just this, is, this is business 101. This is mitigating risk. You know, this yeah, is, yeah, this is you know, and, and even a 5% decrease in risk is on a, on a billion dollar film is a huge amount of, of, of money to take it off there. Lauren, I'm really going to cut you off. Keep going. Oh, no problem. <laughs> um, and, and just to expand okay. on that a little more there, you know, we've all seen the issues with diversity inclusion in, in uh, film and, and television. And we've all seen streamers and studios, you know, uh, create these diversity inclusion um, uh, teams and try to reach or programs that are trying to get more diverse creators behind the camera, in front of the camera as production crew. And, you know, a lot, uh, this will be in a massive solution for that specifically as well, because we're allowing anybody from anywhere to have a voice and create a project. And um, so this just opens up a whole new pool of diverse talent for these uh, studios and streamers as well. I, I love that that you brought that into the conversation here because from a perspective, uh, you know, I, I think it's great, you know, that anyone in the world has the same opportunity to to pitch a film idea or to be involved in a variety of places or, or to have their voice heard. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes I, I feel, um, and I can only say feel, is that it, it's implemented incorrectly or it's forced into places that it doesn't fit. Exactly. And when something doesn't fit, especially in an artistic uh, format, it really throws a lot of things off. Um, not saying not saying that these things are right or wrong at any point, but, but there's a lot of other ways that if you let the, the talent speak for themselves through what they're good at, what they do, um, you know, I will say that, that suddenly it's like there is no, um, there is no color, there is no, there is no religion, there is no race, there is no mm -hmm. boundaries. You know, anywhere in the world, someone can be, you know, interacting with this and saying, this is, this is how I feel towards a film and, and, and how I want to help, you know, my interpretation go for it. Um, I mean, clearly you could go full, you know, I'm sure with your guys' platform, they could do, you know, the casting could be done by, by uh, governance voting and, you know, all the way down to, you know, what, what, what uh, equipment is being used to shoot and edit mm -hmm. the film. Um, but clearly you want to leave that to, to directors and, and also give them uh, if some If they want that feedback, yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's, but even a good being point. able to have it is, is something that they don't have today. Right, totally. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of the other things um, that is really kind of unique, I think, about the DAO and this model. We, we're not charging people to, you know, get in the DAO. They don't have to buy tokens <clears throat> to become part of the DAO for wow. a couple of reasons, right? One of them is that a DAO raising capital to then deploy for a project is a very limited amount of liquidity. We, we, this, this ecosystem and this industry needs way more liquidity than that. So that's a kind of self-limiting thing. Um, and we have a solution to that with another token that we call the film token. So the first one, the governance token is the fan token. The film token is the financial power and the fan token is the governance power. Hmm. Um, but the way that the uh, fan token and the DAO construct is really set up uh, and the reason it's set up not to charge people to get in initially is because 
Um, we get asked the question all the time, you know, don't you want really film experts, you know, to be the ones that are judging this stuff? And, and our, our answer is not really because they're not the end user. They're not the consumer. We want the broadest cross section from across the world, right? To get involved and, and give us their opinion. So, you know, there are airdrops when people sign up, they complete actions. There are lots of ways for them to get these tokens. We want everyone to be involved in this DAO. Uh, and, and that side of it, when you're voting on a project, it's kind of more of a soft DAO, right? Because you're not governing, you know, the the, the corporate entity, so to speak. You're not <clears throat> getting involved in those hard decisions. But that's the first stage of the DAO. And then not to get too deeply into the DAO because it starts to get, you know, a little complicated. But there are tiers and uh, people who are able to show their level of interest, participation, um, and qualification are able to get involved in governing things beyond their opinion about which projects, you know, should move through the ecosystem. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really meant for broad, you know, consumption and distribution. You know, Brian, I, I, I love the way you're talking about this and, and the way you guys are really approaching it again from a kind of, it, it's a, it's, it's a soft to firm touch, but it's not like, Hey, that's, you know, if they vote on this and it's, it's, you know, somebody got a hold of the governance tokens and they want to uh, remake some horrible film in a horrible way with a horrible <laughs> director and, and, you know, the funding isn't there, then, then there's some safeguards to, to prevent that from happening. Um, right. But but you know I, I when you're talking about you know the ratings and everything else like Rotten Tomatoes I still think you know they were one of the very first Web one uh, companies that existed you know to kind of just do ratings and you know when I go on there to look to the film the first thing I do is just ignore any of the critics I don't care one yeah. bit what a professional has to say <laughs> and there's a lot of times the films that I ap- films that I absolutely love and I think are fabulous have an amazing you know watcher score or, or kind of a, a user score and the critics are are like you know ten percent or, or, or worse. Um, and I think that that really showcases that that the industry is shifting to this. Um, I say constantly that Web three is is designed for Gen Z, um, and I really think that you know this level of input, this level of kind of ownership and identity, um, is is really only capable using Web three technologies. Yeah, Lauren, agree. You know, how, how, Lauren, how hard <laughs> is it to explain, you know, block the blockchain integration that you've done today to these to these executives? Yeah, so uh, that goes back to the breakdown of those audiences. It has been a very interesting and a, a really fun creative journey to ideate how to um, not only reach but educate the film industry about what a DAO is, about you know blockchain terms, cryptocurrency terms, token terms. And so um, you have to get creative um, and you have to definitely bring in like I was talking about earlier, value and incentive for what they're actually looking for. So, you know, a lot of the times for investors or studios, they want to either get diverse, you know, find diverse talent, as I was mentioning, or they want to uh, get projects that are going to have good ROI. And so you just have to think of these incentives when you're creating some of these, you know, marketing campaigns or or marketing roadmap, as well as the product roadmap and what features we're going to roll out that are going to match what brings, you know, value to these, to these various, you know, audiences. I love that. For example, we, we created a studio interface um, and you don't have to know anything about blockchain to be a studio and to load your projects up. 
and to be able to, you know, do the same things that the general platform does. If you think about Filmio, mm-hmm. like you said, it's kind of this, it's kind of this hub. Um, and if you think about a studio, they can leverage it in sort of a partitioned environment and, you know, choose whether their projects are, you know, shared among the broader platform or not. Um, but it's things like that where they can see the real world value or film festivals. We have a project right now for film festivals where the film festival, you know, this is basically a giant film festival. So yeah. why not allow film festivals to use the platform to do many of the things that they have to do kind of offline or with, you know, poor quality tools. Uh, so those those are kind of our entry points into the industry where we're delivering value that kind of meets them where they live uh, and solves a problem that they have. You know, one of the things that I, I we keep running into in, in Web3 is mainstream is just around the corner. <laughs> and, you know, for I, 2010 was the first time I bought Bitcoin and, and I said, wow, this is neat. And I, I threw it away because it wasn't, you know, there was nothing to do with it then. <laughs> um, you know, came back in, in 2014, 2015 when I, when I thought Ethereum was kind of a really cool concept. And same thing, just kind of like little touch points, but never really went full time into the industry. You know, Brian, you, you've been around doing this for a while, and you, you're a seasoned blockchain, you know, and tech entrepreneur overall. Um, you know, and I'm only picking on you because you, you know, in 2019, you're like, mainstream's right here. Um, <laughs> where, where do you think we are in that in that evolutionary cycle to to get to people where Warren's not having to defend, you know, what blockchain is or isn't, and, and that people just accept that this is the correct way to do things. I think, so the things that don't help are like the thing we just saw with uh, Kim Kardashian, you know, things where, you know, people, well-known people in the industry are unknowingly getting involved in things and, you know, maybe breaking the law. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but, uh, you know, where, you know, the, the industry there, there's, so much risk perceived in the industry. It's, it's partially from the volatility of, you know, the, the, the larger coins, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some of the things that they're going through. It's the news cycle where the SEC is coming out, stating things that are scaring people on a regular basis. I think that uh, regulation is actually going to help more than it's going to hurt once it finally gets figured out because there will be some stability. Um, And I think that uh, this will fully be embraced when there are useful applications on blockchain that do things that people need, um, solve problems, because so much of the industry right now is so focused on infrastructure. Um, So, you know, I think the combination of stability, regulation, um, you know, allowing people to kind of, you know, experience blockchain without the whipsaw effect of, hey, I really started to understand it and got on OpenSea and bought an NFT and then it became worth nothing. And, uh, you know, then I heard that it might be a security and I might have broken the law, you know? I mean, so when that stuff stops happening, I think it'll mature a lot. And then again, back to the usability thing, because that's just huge. It just needs, people need to not have to think that they are doing something technical because the fear, the deer in the headlights of having somebody that doesn't understand technology have to start digesting terms that they've never heard of before just kind of stops things in their tracks. 
Yeah, and, and, and I will yeah. say everyone keeps thinking mainstream is a few minutes away, but mainstream will be when blockchain is invisible. You know, you remember the days yeah. of like, you know, you had to dial into direct servers. You had to, you know, you went around trying to get people to get rid of their AOL CD-ROMs were being mailed around. Um, and I still feel like we're a lot like that. You know, I've got my ledgers around here that, you know, you're, you're still kind of having to, which just feels very much like, you know, kind of a 14K modem. It's like, well, you could right. do this, but here's here's a, a slightly different way. Um you know, Lauren, when you think about the technology and, and you were, you, you were new to this space, mm-hmm. um, was it, you know, you're clearly comfortable with it today, but was it overwhelming at first to kind of think about all these new you know technology terms? Yeah. So it was definitely a learning curve for sure. But, uh, even from, you know, my, my very early days at NBC universal, this was my first job out of college. I actually helped develop a system that, uh, streamlined, uh, uh, assistant editors being able to get production, uh, technical production specifications, eliminating email to get it like right through the system. And so I always had this love for efficiency and whatever it took to learn the technology to get there to find efficiency or streamline, you know, an industry or make an industry operate better. Uh, so it definitely was a learning curve. It was a lot of research, a lot of education for myself. Uh, and Brian, I mean, Brian and the, the rest of the team, they are so highly educated and enthralled in the industry every single day. And they keep up with the trends and know exactly what's going on. So it, it was a learning curve, but it was, it was definitely a lot easier having such a knowledgeable um, experienced team to, to be able to take me under their wing and, and teach me about, you know, the nuances of, of the industry and, and stuff like that. What's the largest, largest project you guys have worked on so far to date on the platform? Good question. There are um, a number that are not really um, currently disclosable, but of the ones that are, I mean, if we're talking about film, you know, budget, um, probably there's one um, called Lavaz del Sol Speak Sunlight that I think is like a $5 million budget. Um, It's basically the two probably best known actors in Spain are involved in this one. um, And it has a wonderful director, um, creator behind it, um, that one. And then the other one that, uh, is really far through the system is this project 52577, which do you know what that date is? Um, 52577. That was the date that star Wars first hit theaters. And, uh, it's one of our co-founders, um, project. Um, his name is Pat Johnson. Um, that was, I think it turned out to be close to 4 million, that budget. And uh, we got involved when the film was produced, but it really needed finishing funds. And, you know, he had been working on this film. It's a beautiful film. It's actually in some theaters right now. It just mm-hmm. got sold to Showtime. Um, awesome. And, uh, you know, so that's that's probably the other one that we can talk about as of yet. And for the rest of them, they're really early. I mean, they're, you know, the, the, the platform actually isn't even publicly launched. Um, but there are 65 feature-length films and TV shows in the platform right now at various stages, and 2,000 creators um, that are on our wait list that are waiting to gain access wow. to be able to submit their project. Um, so it's you know there there are going to be some amazing ones and some that are not really disclosable that are that have much bigger people attached to them that everyone would know. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the things I really like about what you guys are, are working on and how you're doing it is it se- it feels very evolutionary. You're definitely disruptive. You're clearly disrupting the industry, but you're being very cordial and um, complementary to the systems and and processes and procedures that are already in place. Um, a lot of times when I hear this, like, "Hey, we don't need studios. We can, you know, we're we're just going to do everything yeah. on our own." Mm-hmm. You, you guys are a plug-in to an, an ecosystem that kind of needs. Uh, a little refresh, especially for the, the younger generations, because they they do want to have feedback and they do want to have ownership. I mean, to uh, um, think of, think about the 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 concept of Gen Z would rather have an NFT than a Rolex watch, um, yeah. and they let and they want people to know what their accomplishments were in life mm-hmm. uh, right from the first very time they meet them. So, you know, Warren, okay. what what are the type of things that you could uh, that that you know, Filmio, um, you know, can can help to enhance a, a, a voters or a DAO members' identity um, to kind of showcase their passion for this? Yeah, so actually, the more that you stake uh, fan governance tokens, that you, the more uh, governance power you actually get on the platform. So uh, that's why it's so exciting and so important to be an early adopter of our platform because the earlier that you come in and you start interacting with our platform, the more... Uh, decision-making power that you're going to be getting on the platform. So if you start making, you know, um, uh, or, or supporting projects that continue to do well and get have good ROI and get the green light, you will have more decision-making power to keep uh, green lighting projects. So it, it, it's it's really exciting for fans to be able to, you know. Um, become actual decision makers. And, uh, I think that's, that's part of what their identity is, what they want their identity to be through, you know, um, staking and interacting and engaging on our platform. Yeah. The staking and reputation system built into the platform is really pretty cool for that exact Mm -hmm. reason, because it showcases the people who become more involved and, you know, who gain more influence. When you stake tokens, you get a staking reward paid back in fan tokens, which gives you more governance power. Um, We also track your reputation based on the things that you do. Um, Every interaction gains you reputation power and earns you badges. So it's a gamified ecosystem. You get badges and NFTs um, that really showcase your passion for um, you know, the industry and your involvement in the platform. And as you rise through those ranks, you also it also helps you rise through the ranks of the DAO from just a fan to uh, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum levels in the DAO. And so you, it's very visible. You can actually see... It was a good question because it is important to understand who you know, these people are uh, mm-hmm. within the ecosystem and, you know, that they didn't just get there by buying their way in, for example. You can't buy, you can obviously buy some level of influence, um, you know, as you get in, but we have, um, you know, quadratic, you know, voting algorithms and things of that nature that, you know, effectively prevent, you know, whales from skewing the vote and things like that. And that's because of the reputation system, which is very visible to everybody within the platform. That's that's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, 
Really, again, guys, amazing conversation, tons of really good insights into the way the film industry works today and how Filmio kind of integrates in and enhances uh, what's already there without, you know, while being disruptive, but also being respectful. And I think that's a really big key uh, to any entrepreneur operating in the space. It's great that you want to upend an industry and you've got an idea that's going to take it over. Um, but, but, you know, knowing how it works and knowing how to integrate your project into there and, and facilitating that roadmap to move uh, towards viability is a huge thing. Team is easily one of the biggest parts of that. So without knowledge, without those 10,000 hours in that field, uh, you're kind of just guessing and you may be really well educated on reading things, um, but doing it is a whole different deal. Brian, what, what's the team like that you've assembled here? Yeah, the team is amazing. I mean, I'm really fortunate to work with people like Lauren every day that just are so uh, plugged into what they do. And, you know, it's not just connections, but, you know, like you said, it's that 10,000 hours, that experience. Um, but you guys heard some of Lauren's background, but it goes well beyond that um, topic for another day. But um, I'll just highlight a few people because it's uh, we have, I think, 16 people on the team. It's pretty small, but very potent. Um, one One of the people that is... Uh, very influential in the company is uh, Orlando Pedragosa. Um, Orlando, <clears throat> actually, we acquired a small project that he was starting when we met him a couple years ago, um, where he had an idea to do something similar. wasn't blockchain based, but he had, you know, the the alignment was there when we met him. And uh, Orlando's family started one of the most successful European production companies, film production companies, called Bob Bieka. Um, and they do uh, a large amount of the film production for Netflix, for HBO, for Disney, for Sony, for, you know, Universal, you, you name it. I mean, so they're, you know, very well established. And again, it kind of comes down a lot of times to connections and, you know, just having the people that are, you know, their DNA, like Lawrence, right? Their DNA is just all about the film world. And this is the bridge, you know, this is how we, you know, reach out and we get people on board uh, that we could really use this that would otherwise be stifled by that blockchain word, you know. Um, there's uh, our CTO, Chris. Um, Chris is uh, really a prolific full-stack developer. Um, Chris was one of the very early contributors to uh, WordPress, uh, wrote a lot of the plugins that made it useful to people across the board, wrote the books, actually, that were published that taught people how to use it, um, was involved heavily in Apache, um, was employed by um, the Skype founders doing some interesting projects, um, is, you know, an author, but is also a creator, a musician, like just one of these savants that just does everything, could write the entire platform if he had enough time on his own and do every aspect of it. So, you know, um, people like that, there's, um, you know, my brother, Corey, my brother is, uh, is, is one of the biggest blockchain nerds you'll ever imagine and is an efficiency freak. So you need the people to glue the team together. Um, you know, he's our chief product officer and has his fingers and everything. So, I mean, I could go on and on. We've got other, you know, a couple of celebrities on board, guys like Kevin Harrington, um, you know, Black Elvis from the music industry, who's, you know, bringing a lot of connections in, but very, you know, he produced Beyonce and Jamie Foxx and, you know, a whole bunch of other people. So, um, um, you know, it's like I said before, we're kind of split down the middle. Half of us are just nerds like me, propellers spinning all the time. The other half are from the film world. Um, and we're very fortunate to have the people that we have as a very tight knit team that cover all the bases. 
That's fabulous. That's awesome. Yeah, and team is is absolutely what you know. I always choose to invest in. You can you know products are great, theses are great, white papers are fabulous, uh, but a team is going to win. And and having a, a team that like yours that sounds like they're experienced is a big game changer, especially in, in, when you're trying to break into an asset class that is really really um, tight knit for the most part. Um, you know, Warren, you guys have a, a very advantageous roadmap ahead of you guys. Um, what what's kind of the next next phase for for um, Filmio? You know, your tokens or anything related to that? Yeah, so we actually have some uh, really exciting news, and we're launching a, a a really large campaign. We're launching the largest airdrop in the entertainment industry. We're actually airdropping forty million fan governance tokens to two thousand creators and twenty thousand fans that want to help govern and reinvent uh, this new Hollywood that we're trying to build on the blockchain. Um, and what's really exciting is um, any any fan or creator that wants to join and become an early adopter on our platform also enters for a chance to win um, uh, Bitcoin. So. Fans have a chance to win $1,000 in Bitcoin, and creators, even more excitingly, have a chance to enter for uh, to win $10,000 in development funds for their film or TV project. So we're really excited That's about amazing. that. amazing. You know, and it, it really, you know, the, the core concept of airdropping is, you know, very, you know, basic to, to Web3. We think of it all the time, no problem. But mm -hmm. the idea for marketers is, you know, such a drastic difference that if you could, if, if Porsche could say, hey, we want to send a letter to everyone that has a Porsche in their garage. For mm -hmm. The cost is almost nothing, but we just want to say, hey, thank you for this or give them an offer for, you know, an oil change, whatever the case is. It would dynamically change the entire marketing industry uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, with so much less waste and everything else. So the concept that you guys have here of, you know, how do you reward the creators? How do you reward the, the most rabid fans and keep them engaged uh, without the waste? I mean, you can you can do this with a shotgun approach, but you're hearing a lot of people are like, I don't, I don't even know what this is, never mind, um, is really dynamic. And so I, I applaud both of you guys for a very holistic and, and self, um, you know, self-prophesizing uh, view on, on the industry that, you know, all you guys have to do is, is continue moving forward and the industry will adopt itself to you uh, without you having to force yourself into this industry. So that's very cool, guys. Totally. There's one, one other thing I'll add just real briefly, because I know we don't have a ton of time, but, you know, really what we're launching now is phase one, right? This is about governance. Um, it's about validation. It's about audience building. Um, phase two, once the audience is big enough and we already have most of this built, is where the funding tools open. And when the Go score rises to a certain level based on fan involvement, it unlocks a series of tools. There's an NFT studio if you want to raise non-dilutive capital with an NFT collection. Um, traditional crowdfunding tools where we're partnering with broker-dealers uh, that can sponsor campaigns. Um, and then a matchmaking system that actually will match you with the right film fund uh, or if it's appropriate for Netflix, if it's within their uh, criteria or whatever the case may be, that can actually match you with the right uh, partner for both funding and distribution. So that's sort of the second leg of the stool. Um, and there is a third leg that comes later, and we'll keep that as a surprise. But we're getting so close to the second leg right now, I can uh, tease it. And um, it's pretty exciting stuff. So it's a really c continuum. It's a branching narrative for these creators and uh, very exciting stuff. And these tokens coming out. People should really, you know, grab these things and really participate and, and you know, help govern and liberate this this industry because, uh, you know, it's 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 so needed. It's such a good thing to do for the world. And um, I think you'll have a lot of fun doing it as well. I absolutely love that. Um, if people want to know more, they want to get involved, they want to get get prepped and ready for the airdrop. What's the best place to find you guys and learn more? 
really so, film.io, you know, that's us. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, go fi- ahead, Lauren. You, you, you probably have a better answer. Than <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, yeah, uh, film.io, our site, but uh, you also can join our discord uh, filmio official and we will actually be um, there. We launch and drop exclusive information in there, including the date that we're going to be launching the airdrop. So uh, definitely join our discord. You want to be on the Discord for sure. And if you have (laughs) trouble finding it, you can find it on (laughs) film.io. There you go. Fabulous, guys. Why Wales, uh, this is Lauren and Brian uh, with Filmio, film.io. Um, tons of good alpha in here, tons of really good insights. And, you know, again, a, a mature team with a, a product that's actually relatively mature for blockchain space. Uh, really excited to see where you guys are, are heading from here. And, you know, really, really, more than anything else, the idea about fan engagements. Um, I, I truly hope, you know, you guys have find a ton of success. Um, and let me know when I can start the petition to redo uh, season eight of Game of Thrones, please. <laughs> Let's start that tomorrow. <laughs> Very cool. Thank so, you so much, Jay. And great, absolutely. great being on your show. Thank you. Wales, it was a pleasure. We'll see you guys next time. Warren, Brian, thank you. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWhales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.